Hey, family. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We work incredibly hard to identify guests who will help you move forward on your healing journey. So if you are blessed by today's episode, I would love for you to take a moment to subscribe and leave a five-star review. This will help us to reach more people and get this important message of healing out to the world. Thank you in advance for your support and enjoy today's episode. family. It's your sister Jocelyn here and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. If this is your first time tuning in, we welcome you. We're so glad that you are here and want you to know that we're a community that's dedicated to helping you strengthen your faith, heal your heart, and discover a sense of community. And we do so in a number of ways by connecting you with a team of Christian counselors. We also offer what we call trauma healing groups, which are essentially Bible studies to help you to heal from trauma. And you can learn about these resources and so much more by visiting us at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. But now I'm excited to welcome to the show an awesome man of God who's doing so much work for the kingdom, especially around the issue of grief and loss. Jerry Prasapio is a former compulsive gambler who, by the grace of God, was delivered from his addiction over 39 years ago. He's been married to his beautiful wife, Pat, for 41 years and is the father of three children and a grandfather of one boy. His son, Brian, 39, Laura, age 28. And his daughter, Katie, who died in a car accident 16 years ago at the age of 19. Upon her death, his family attended a grief recovery program that actually helped him to move through this grief that he was experiencing, but also inspired him to start his ministry with his wife, Katie's Comfort Ministry. And so we're very excited to bring him on the show today to share his testimony. Thank you for being here with us today, Jerry. Hi, Jocelyn. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for being here. All right. So before we get into the depths of your testimony around Katie's comfort ministry, I'd love to get a little bit of background information about your story of coming to know God and how it actually helped to deliver you from your gambling addiction. Okay. You know, Jocelyn, I started gambling at such an early age. I was only uh, first grade, and it started with Penny Annie Poker at a good friend's house. He had a poker table there, and, you know, we used to meet there and play up until five o'clock, and then had to go home for our respective houses for dinner, and I remember looking at the clock even then at that age, and it was five to five, and I didn't really want the game to end. I enjoyed, you know, winning and losing, and, you know, this spirit of gambling, I like to call it, you know, entered me early on, and then it just progressed through my life. You know, I just navigated to other forms of gambling, horse track first, then I started betting with the bookie in college, sports betting, finally, you know, turned into casino, full-blown addiction at a casino gambling. And I was involved in a couple businesses out in California with the couple other gentlemen moved out there and, you know, you know, the gambling started to really escalate and the trips to the casino more frequent to where I started, you know, losing more and, you know, borrowing large sums of money, running credit card companies, 
cards up to the maximum levels and just got heavily in debt. And, you know, I finally, you know, was desperate. So I took out a loan with the mafia and a street loan. And, you know, I kind of discredited them. They, they, you know, I always thought I could just make the payments. But what happened was, is I missed a payment one time. I actually had given it to my barber who introduced me to him. He too was a compulsive gambler and I was flying to the casino and to gamble once again, trying to get a big win and lied to my wife. I told her I was going to Los Angeles on business. Lo, lo and behold, I lost all my money and that trip. And uh, I called home at, back then. They didn't have caller ID. I was in a Vegas hotel room. And, you know, my wife said that she had had a visitor come over to the house. And it, uh, it was a fellow by the name of Frank. And it was from my business. And he had heard that we had an infant son, which we did. Brian was only a few months old, and he asked if he could see Brian. And so Pat, thinking nothing of it, she went to the nursery, went, came up to the screen door, and Frank looked at him and left a, a message. And he told Pat, when you talk to your husband, Jerry, next time, tell him uh, your son Brian has a beautifully shaped head. And then he walked away. Now she's telling me this as I'm standing in this hotel room in Vegas. And man, I'll tell you, I told her, I said, I got to get off the phone, babe, and get back on a job site. And I, I just froze. I hung up that phone and I said, how much further are you going to take this? Now you're jeopardizing, uh, you know, your family and, you know, lives of your kid. And, you know, it just was, you know, so I came back and, and you know, I, I'd like to say it was the last time I gambled, tried unsuccessfully one more time at a local racetrack and uh, came out of there, busted again, and got in the car. I couldn't turn the key over, and I remember saying eight words that changed my life. I said, God, I am so sick. Please help me. And, you know, Jocelyn, I didn't even know if God could love a person like me in a situation like that, but he heard my cry, and, you know, he delivered me really to a a 12-step program, and there people reached out, helped me, walked me through the early stages of recovery. And God strategically placed Christians in this program where it took a four or four year period of not gambling, but seeking God, you know, because he was, he took alcohol out of my life. And that was a selfish prayer. I remember getting on my knees and saying, you know, God, I don't want to go to another program, please, you know, but if I know if I continue drinking, I'm going to go back to gambling. And I was, I was playing around with drugs too. A lot of other carrier addictions. And anyway, I I saw him do these immediate deliveries, de- deliverances in my life. And I wanted more of this God. And then, like I say, some Christians that he had placed in the program shared the good news with me and I accepted Christ in 1987, September 19. And, uh, you know, that's, and I was, you know, one of the things I was dealing with too, I had, I had had pornography in my life. Since I was a teenager, I had been abused by a then relative, and it, it cast me into the world of pornography, and this was killing me, even though not gambling and, you know, trying to live live a godly life, this was, you know, choking me. And so when I, when I asked Christ that night in my life, I went home and cleared the house out. Pat knew of some things, but I had stuff in the garage, and I threw it all in the garbage can and burned it, and he really set me free from that 
that uh, destructive pattern that it had, you know, been in my life. So that's really the beginning journey of how Christ uh, brought me. And I today, like you say, 39 years free of gambling and totally delivered from the thought process or ever thinking of why we're wanting to go back to that destructive way of life. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jerry. That's a beautiful testimony. And uh, you were able to focus on building a family, had three beautiful kids. And I I want us to transition to talking about your child, Katie, getting to know her and her story. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about her and her life growing up, like her personality, just some of the things that you just came to know about her? Well, from an early age, she was... She was different, you know, in that, you know, she was crazy. She was, uh, you know, she was joyous and she exhibited uh, love and sensitivity. Like at even a childhood age, she, at church, she would, you know, go up to people. If it was her first time at our church, she'd grab them by the hand and lead them into different rooms and showing them of the church. She'd hug people. You know, she just, she'd hug friends and tackle them to the ground. You know, she, she just uh, befriended people. She'd see a, you know, one of her closest friends who talked at her memorial said, you know, she was sitting in a corner. She had had a tough childhood and knew to our church. And Katie just came up to her and told her, I'm going to be your friend, you know, whether you like it or not type thing. And this girl didn't want friends then, but she shared about how Katie drew her out of the loneliness. And so Katie, I know Katie was, you know, exhibiting really fruits of the spirit, joy and love at such an early age. So she was, uh, and then we had special services at our church revival service for well over a year. And they were almost, you know, five, six nights a week. And Katie would sit there and journal every message and soak it all in and just loved, uh, she loved God at an early age and really, really, uh, you know, you know, sought after him even then. And it was in sixth grade then at a uh, summer camp for the youth that she, you know, heard a message and she came home and her and a friend and they both said to my my wife, Pat said, we're going to be missionaries to India. And uh, that was really the call God placed in her heart then. And up until the day uh, she went to be with him on the accident that, uh, she she really pursued that call for God to be a missionary to India. Wow, that's a uh, that's amazing. She just seemed like she had such a heart for God. Mm-hmm. But be, before we get to the accident, I do want to ask us to back up a little bit and and talk about you know a uh, sh- struggle she had in her teenage years. Okay. Can you talk about that? In high school, I think she was a sophomore, Jocelyn. Uh, we started to see a little change in Katie. You know, she started keeping more to herself in her bedroom. Uh, all of a sudden, Christian posters that had been on the wall were now coming down. The music uh, she was listening to was different than she, what she had in the past. And she was just really withdrawn a little bit. And we really didn't know quite what was what was going on. And it was an afternoon, Pat, my wife, was just cleaning her room. She wasn't really looking for any signs of anything. And she found a note, and she brought it into me. I, I worked out of my house, home office, brought it into me, and we read this note, and we were just floored. It was a suicide note, really saying goodbye to us and other family, you know, 
your brother and sister and friends. And we were just, wow, you know, so we got in the car and drove over to her high school where she was at and pulled her out of the high school class and drove to a forest preserve and sat, sat there. And we, you know, she could tell by our demeanor and tears, you know, someone, and she said, did somebody die? And I really felt in my spirit, yeah, someone did die, you. And then we, Pat showed her the letter and explained she wasn't looking for it, but what's going on. And, and Katie just broke down and said, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, I'm really struggling with life. And, uh, and so we did immediately find just the right Christian counselor for, and that was a God thing, you know, connecting her with, uh, with the counselor that was, you know, was chosen. And, uh, they, they, uh, she really helped her over a period of time probably about a six to nine month period of time. There was medication prescribed, which Katie took to help her. And uh, she then had a, the next year had a trip to Portugal with her uh, youth group. And with and she did have to, for the first time, tell her youth pastor that she was on the antidepressants because he had to list what medicines you're on. But by then she felt comfortable to do that. And we had been praying for her just to select fam other family members that knew about the depression that uh, here she was ready to open up and she went there to Portugal and boy, God, you know, God spoke to her and she just came back and in there she saw in Portugal, she saw that God is everywhere and that he, he's kept big shoulders can handle the problems. And she came back and with a different spark in her eyes and it was the old Katie again. And she came back and said, God, you know, I'm, I'm healed. I don't need medicine anymore. God lifted me from the depression. And, you know, I, you know, she wanted to flush the medicine down the toilet. But I, I said, hold, hold back. Let's talk to your counselor. And over a period of time, she weaned off the medicine. And then the last uh, really year and a half, two years of her life, she was really set free from medications and depression. And really God used her those last couple of years leading up to her death to really minister to other friends that were experiencing in from her own youth group and and then the school she went to to pursue being a missionary, you know, ones that were struggling with depression. That is great. I, I love how God just turned things around and it wasn't her time yet. Right. And she still had work to do. And she did up until her passing in terms of, you know, evangelization and letting people know about God's love. And so that's amazing. So let's talk about the accident. Can you tell us about what took place? Yeah, she was, like I say, in a, a the program was called the Master's Commission. And her and another friend, close friend, that she had actually stayed overnight at her house. Uh, she was living with a family member that, during the year. Uh, Katie, they were going to classes on 8 o'clock in the morning. And it was a two-lane county road. And it was an icy morning. The weather was kind of, you know, it had caused slick conditions. And, and she fishtailed into a semi, into the lane of the semi. And the uh, accident occurred. And, you know, they, they were both killed instantly, both her and her friend. And they went hand in hand, really, to meet the Lord. And um, the accident was so severe, not to get too too graphic, but it, you know, the car blew up and went on fire. And, you know, so she did not suffer, you know, the coroner told us. And, 
you know, we were even spared Pat and I from, you know, having to go there to identify the body or, you know, so we, we look back on that and thank God that, you know, as hard as it was to, you know, think about how, what occurred that, uh, at the same time, like I say, God was merciful, you know, during, during that period of time. Amen. I'm glad that you were able to see God's mercy, even in the midst of tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I would love for you to talk about how her loss really affected you and the family, even her siblings. Can you spend some time talking about that? Sure. Well, it, it was tough. You know, it uh, when you take someone out of the family unit, the child, there's such a immediate sadness, you know, each of us were experiencing and a loss, you know, I, you know, Laura, her younger sister was 12 at the time and she had a real difficult time. We kept her from back, going back to school for a couple of weeks. And I mean, she even had to sleep alongside our bed for many months, you know, didn't even want to sleep in her bedroom. And, you know, and, you know, just the eventual things that came months later, you know, the, uh, after the, you know, naturally after the wake and funeral, there's so much activity and so much comfort, you know, God gives you supernaturally. But then when the calls stop and, you know, you're dealing with your first birthday, I was the first one in line birthday wise, you know, and she wasn't there. And then I remember our first Thanksgiving, I remember the four of us, just deciding we didn't want to even have a turkey dinner at home or anything or fam, other family. We went to the Museum of Science and Industry and had White Castles. I see, and I can laugh about it now, but uh, we stopped there for, that was our Thanksgiving meal, but we did it together. You know, I, and I look back and thank God for the unity that we had, that we wanted to, the four of us uh, experience early things together. And by Christmas, we had always hosted Christmas on our side and, you know, at first we weren't going to do it, you know, but then my brother made a comment, you know, saying, boy, we'd really, really not feel sad if, if we weren't all together. And so we, we did do it and it turned out to be okay. Had a balloon launch, but, you know, taking any, anyone out of the family unit and especially that first year, it's very difficult, but uh, it's long suffering. Someone told Pat who had lost a child, uh many years before said told pat you know it's going to be long suffering and we didn't like to hear that you know back then but it it is it's it but at the same time you know knowing where katie was knowing that she was uh she was in the presence of the lord you know i i I personally myself i i've always felt like you know it's not what i've lost jerry but it's what what katie has gained and i try to keep that focus that you know with, you know, with the way I think about heavenly things and where she's at and knowing through my faith, one day I too will be reunited with her. Mm, Amen. That's good, Jerry. That's a great way to look at this. And as a man, I do want to spend a little time talking about how your grieving process was. Was it difficult for you to express your emotions, to express your pain, to get the support you needed? You know, I, again, I, I look back at because of what God had, what you know, brought me through with the gambling and the many hours I had been in, in recovery rooms with uh, individuals. And early on, I mean, I, I cried at 
at uh, recovery gambling meetings because of the pain and you know, I've been able, I'm opening up to complete strangers then. I believe he prepared me. I look back, he prepared me for uh, not not having a struggle with uh, with uh, the grieving as far as going and getting, getting, going to help. You know, the local program you talked about that we went as a family. You know, I, I, I went with the, probably the wrong motives, I'll be honest. I I went for my 12-year-old daughter, you know, knowing that there was a, a group for her that they split us apart. But, you know, I, I said, I, I'm going for her. But then, you know, once again, you know, God showed up and ministered to me. So did I, I didn't have trouble opening up, but the tears, boy, and I, you know, I, I'm so glad that they said God collects our tears in heaven. And, you know, I mean, I got gallons up there, you know, over what I cried about losing Katie and emotions and that. And I, you know, I'm glad there's no more tears when I get to heaven or past heaven. I'm looking forward to that day of no more tears because I still, you know, miss her and, and that. But I, you know, I, I've been able to open up and I, but I do, I do recognize the struggle other men may have if they don't have that background that I've been blessed with. Mm, yeah, you have been blessed with having that that context going into this. And I want you to elaborate a little bit more on the importance of community in helping someone to heal and get through difficult times and anything else that you think is important for someone who is healing from something like this. Well, for men, you know, in particular, I'm going to center on them. And I, you know, much like I went to their first grief program at the local hospital, not really you know, wanting, wanting to go for myself. If, you know, if you can just even go to one meeting, you know, give it a try. You know, there's that saying out there, if you bring the body, the mind will follow. And I really believe that, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I had to force myself early on to do things with my, you know, even if I felt sad about losing Katie, you know, go to, you know, go with my wife shopping or doing stuff just to be with her. Or the other kids, you know, I, you know, it's so easy to isolate as a man and to draw back and, you know, I'm macho and I don't got to cry. I don't have to, you know, do this or that. I want to, you know, you know, you know, kind of heal on my own, but we need each other. And the community for me was there. I, you know, I, I met, you know, really two people, they were Christian men that, that came forward and, you know, it's interesting. The guy, the the men who I thought were going to be there after losing Katie to talk with me weren't. But God selected these other two men. Who I really didn't have that close of a relationship, but it ended up building very close relationships with. You know, they're the ones that went to breakfast with me and sat with me and heard me cry and heard me open up and was there to pray with me and comfort me. But it took my willingness to want to meet with them. You know, and, and rather than to say, oh, thanks for the phone call, but now I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. I'm okay. And I think men do that. You know, I, I, you know, Pat and I, as husband and wife, were asked years later, which we did for the last uh, five or six years before COVID opened up, to lead uh, uh, six-week courses for parents who have lost children. And I'd like to tell you men came with their wives, but we would have like eight couples and usually... If I saw three men, that was a rarity, you know, three husbands. One one semester we did, and boy, that was wonderful to see them and see 
how these programs help them. Usually there's just one, if not two, you know, just because, you know, men won't come and open up. So I really encourage them, you know, force yourself, you know, I mean, you may not want to do it, but there's healing on the other side. Yes, there is. And I think you said force yourself, push yourself out there, make a small step because it's going to make a difference. Right. And one thing that uh, the devil likes to have us do is suffer in silence, exactly. and isolated in our pain. And that's when some things can happen that are could be damaging to us. Right. And so I'm glad that you reached out and got the support that you needed. And as you went ac along this journey, it eventually led you and your wife to start a ministry. Talk about what led to that. We had a pastor that was Katie's youth pastor, and he now was involved in uh, a director of Teen Challenge Center in, uh, in Pennsylvania. And then uh, eventually now he's in Neosho, Missouri. Him and his wife, you know, they were contacted in Cambodia by, by Christians over there that wanted to open up the first Teen Challenge Center. They didn't have one in the country. And and so Pastor Jim went there, flew over there and was able to secure land and funding. And and then once they started the construction of this building and fixing it up, you know, he called us one night and he shared him and his wife said, you know, they really felt the Lord tell them, you know, because of Katie's desire to be a missionary to India one day, which was two countries over that, uh, they should name the center Katie Hall. And after Pat and I got our composure on the phone, we said to Pastor Jim, I did, I said, you know, would you do me a favor when you have the dedication, would you take some wonderful, you know, photos so we can have them and to share? And he said, hey, listen, if we're, we're, we're close friends, he said, if we're gonna name this after your daughter, you're gonna be there for the dedication. and. And I remember saying to myself under my breath, oh, boy, only God, if you really get me there. And he did. And it was quite an emotional experience to be there, you know, for the dedication. And, and to see years later now how many uh, young men and have, men have gone through that program and come to know the Lord and be healed and set, you know, they're on new paths in their, in their journey there in life and you know, so it's uh, it's really something. And then shortly thereafter, 2008, Pat, in prayer, heard from the Lord that she was to start this ministry with comfort baskets that she was to put together like a teacup and tea bag. And then she put goodies in there. We, you know, have a picture frame and, and she puts a journal in there. And, and then our family was led to write a write a book. A lot of people said you should really write a book about your journey, and and so we have. It's called uh, One Pogo Jump to Heaven, and each of us write chapters in the book, and in there we share really Katie's journey in depression, which I touched upon earlier, and we even include some of her dark dark poems in there. The before. But then naturally the after where God got healed her from depression and she, you know, these journals came back from Rockford where she passed away. And we saw the poems, you know, right at right in in the end of her life. And we share those too. So it's like a before and after to show how God can really, you know, touch a person that has depression and there is healing 
from depression through counseling, like I say, call, like Katie availed herself of, and your, I know your your company does. But, you know, thank God for people like you that are out there, you know, to counsel and help people through these uh, these periods in their life. And so we, we, you know, wrote this book to highlight, you know, that about depression, you mainly share her story, but also our grief journey of what we experienced, as I've shared a bit earlier in the broadcast about, you know, so each of us share our individual thoughts about how God uh, helped us each individually through this grief journey. Mm. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit more about that because grief is really a journey. Mm -hmm. And I want to know from you, like, what have you learned about grief through everything that you've gone through? Well, I've learned that no two people grieve alike. Even my husband and I mean, my wife and I, we grieve differently. My kids have grieved differently. Uh, They've had to seek themselves individually, you know, whether it be counseling or programs that can help them. You know, I can, I can love them like an earthly father, but my love only, only goes so far. They've had to really press in to their personal relationship with the Lord. My wife, each of us have to press in and really be healed internally, you know, of, of, you know, grief and, you know, and again, men that, you know, if you have that relationship with Christ, like I, I pray you do, you know, you know, press in, you know, even if you're angry, I mean, I, you know, many of the men that sat in our classes were angry with God, you know, and, you know, God, God's big enough. His shoulders are big enough. Cry out to him. Tell him you're angry. Let him I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think you're going to win the battle, but at least you're, you're, you're talking, you're asking him, you know, to converse with you. And that's all he really wants to, you know, is communication with God is really, really where it's at, not to close him off. And for those that don't know, know Christ or know God and, you know, know a little bit about him, you know, you know, ask him to reveal himself to you. I know he did me. When I cried eight words, God, I'm so sick. Please help me. How could he love a guy like me? All the things I did to support my gambling. Come on. Yeah, I, there's no hope for me. There was no hope for me in that car that day. But God heard my cry. And he'll hear yours too. You know, he'll, he, you know, he really will hear you if you're really sincere and cry out to him. So, and he'll be there to touch you and walk you through these this grief journey. He doesn't want to see a divorce in, in husband and wife. And there's high divorce rate after a loss of a child. He wants marriages to stay intact. And and so, like I say, before, you know, you, know, you keep fighting each other or fighting husband and wife, you know, men reach out to God, you know, and he'll be there for you. Yes, God will. And there's a lot of wisdom in what you shared. And I actually have a follow-up question that's dedicated to the men, especially since this is going to be airing around Father's Day. And this could be a very difficult time for men who have lost a child. And so is there any words of encouragement or wisdom that you can offer them around this time? Well, if you're, I tell you, if you're a husband or a man that has other children, you know, one thing really, my aunt, she's with the Lord now, godly aunt, even and my mom, both of them, and it was a confirmation. When they would see me early on in grief, they both said to me, you know, Jerry, you've got two other children. They need you. 
And, you know, I, I, need, I needed to hear that because uh, I could have centered on Katie and his or her loss and told, talked about her and gone on and on, you know, about if anybody would listen. And But uh, God wanted me to be there for my other two kids, you know, and to realize that, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna lose out on you know the joys that they can have in their development and their future and the plans that God has for their life. So I had to really I had to press in, you know, and really you know get more involved in their lives and which I did and you know I've been blessed with the grant my first grandchild down boy. Yes. There's so many blessings. But uh I just pray for dads that they will it will not give up and know that there's hope out there. And, you know, yeah, the first father's day was very hard for me and it might be for them too. If you're, this is your first father's day, but know that uh, God knows how you're, what you're going through and your family's there. If you, you know, if you reach out to the other, other family members. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your heart, Jerry, and just being so authentic with your testimony. I would love for you to share a little bit more information about how people can connect with you, get in touch with you. Well, at our website, you know, we have uh, so much information. You know, we have, you know, Katie has written a couple songs that really are ministering to so many people. You can listen to them, you can download them for free. And that's the information where you could, if you want to buy, purchase our book, all the information is on there. And that's at katiescomfort.org. And then our phone number where you could reach reach myself or my wife if you have a recent loss, you know, and we can send a basket. There's no no cost for the basket. We are, you know, get donations from people, you know, and, you know, so we, we just love to do that. And that's uh, the phone number there is 708-389-1127. Great. I encourage anyone who's listening, who's experienced a loss to reach out. You'll be blessed by their ministry. So explore their website, get connected. Remember, healing happens through community. And Jerry, thank you again for sharing your testimony, for being a guest on our show today. Truly appreciate you. And I pray that God continues to bless you as you do this important work for the Lord and the community. Thank you, Jocelyn, for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you again for tuning in to today's broadcast. I hope that you were blessed by this testimony of faith and understand that even though this grief journey may be difficult, you're not alone. So stay encouraged, reach out to the resources that we expressed on the show today, whether it's Katie's Comforts Ministry or Faith on the Journey to get some of the support that you need to help you to move forward on your healing journey. So that's it for this week's broadcast. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you enjoyed what you saw today, please make sure to visit our website at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that's faithonthejourney.org. There you can connect with a Christian counselor, find out more information about our healing groups, and so much more. But that's it for this week. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon, family. <music>